Mom never said Dad's gliding through stop signs. He never said she doesn't know how to start the washing machine. We had to take control, which was difficult from the parents who had given us everything. We felt like we were taking everything away from them. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging, Here's How You Do It. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. Today we're speaking with Jean Lee, uh, whose parents were diagnosed with Alzheimer's on the same day in 2006. Trained as a teacher, she had always been a reader. During her family journey, she sought out books about personal experiences with Alzheimer's. At that time, there were few, but each one helped her to keep going forward, to keep breathing. She kept a journal during her parents' decline and fleshed that into a book intended just for her family. She joined a local writing group to help her write her story well but they believed her book had a larger scope. Encouraged by their belief in the story, Jean published Alzheimer's Daughter in 2015, even though she really thought she could be struck by lightning for revealing family secrets. In the four years since publication, the story has resonated with many. Alzheimer's Daughter floats in the top 100 Alzheimer's books on Amazon and was recently named number six in the best Alzheimer's books of all time by Book Authority. And Jean is also the co-founder of allsauthors.com. Their goal is to collate well-vetted books written through the personal lens of Alzheimer's and dementia. Welcome to the show, Jean. Thank you, Nicole. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm delighted. I think that, as we talked earlier, if if our listeners haven't had experience with people in their family having Alzheimer's or dementia, they know people who have. It's all around us. It affects all of us. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about your journey as as a caregiver to both of your parents who had Alzheimer's. Absolutely, Nicole. Thank you. Um, as I stated in the intro, um, I was a teacher at the time, working full-time teaching third grade elementary school. Um, I lived a mile from my parents. Um, drove by their house every day on my way to work. My only sibling lived a thousand miles away and that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. However, it was not. It was uh, my sister and I grew a deeper relationship during that time 
because she was my therapist by phone. Um, our parents had been, they were at around age 80, we began to notice that things were just not making as much sense uh, in their lives. They were stumbling mentally. There were some oddities we were observing. We had grown up in a house with cozy clutter, but um, it became a situation where food was left out and spoiling. Um, my mother no longer cooked at all. They went out to eat at a local restaurant a block from them every day, twice a day. Mm -hmm. And so conversations with my sister would start um, with there are these weird things happening. And she suggested that I keep a journal at that time so that we could, when we talked, I could open it and we could look at dates and frequencies. Mm -hmm. um, which kept us on the same page. That journal was something then that um, I felt great guilt in writing. And in fact, I prefaced in the front of it, it was a, a spiral bound notebook that no third grader in my class ever wanted because it was a black one. <laughs> and oh. I prefaced in the beginning, I'm only writing this for the sake of uh, documentation. Uh, why, what was the guilt about, Jean? What were you worried about? That's a great question. Um, my parents had given my sister and I everything in life, and they had been people who supported us with invisible pom-poms. They were our cheerleaders in, in every respect. And so to begin questioning things, these things about them and actually write these things down. That might I, have been embarrassing, you mean? Yeah, I them? felt like yeah. such a betrayer. Mm -hmm. um, like I was tattling. And I actually threw this journal in the bottom of my kitchen junk drawer with this preface in it, if anyone should find it. Um, because it was just painful for me to make every one of those entries. Mm -hmm. The journal did become end up becoming a key piece in their diagnosis as I wor worked with a gerontologist and social workers um, in that geriatric field. And so then that caused even greater guilt. You know, I knew that we had to do something. We, my sister and I were concerned we wanted to, to be proactive rather than reactive. Yes. Because our parents had cared so well for us, we knew it was our responsibility to care for them. Um, it was not a situation where dad could take care of mom or mom could take care of dad. Um, they never tattled on one another. They were a tight team. Mom never said dad's gliding through stop signs. He never said she doesn't know how to start the washing machine. Mm -hmm. um, we had to take control, which was difficult from the parents who had given us everything, we felt like we were taking everything away from them. Mm -hmm. So that the book came about because um, I lived in, I live in a very small community, and I did not feel as though once they had this diagnosis that I could reveal that it was a part of their healthcare privacy. They never wanted the word spoken again once they heard it. 
And I... Became a family secret. Yes. Yes. And people that I worked with, I, I shared this with, oh, probably less than a handful of coworkers. And they just could not believe that both of them had been diagnosed on the same day and were experiencing this dual decline. And they said, Jean, you need to write a book about this. Well, writing a book had never been on my bucket list. And at the time, because I was making decisions for both of both mom and dad, I was so overwhelmed and just drowning in working full time. I thought, I don't have time to write my lesson plans. Right. How am I going to write a book? So you were so overwhelmed with just the daily tasks of doing your job and and helping your parents Absolutely. maintain their their lives. Yes. And it did not, I, I completely dismissed that idea, even though I was writing this journal between my sister and I. I dismissed the idea of writing a book until it was a week after my mother had passed. And I was sitting with my dad, and he said to me, he had, he had no memory of her. Mm. No memory of 66 years of marriage. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is a story that might help others because I had read my own way through the journey. I um, just had to read everything I could get my hands on. And um, that, that, that was the early days of e-readers. And there was not much out there written through the personal lens. Um, I did not need to know facts and figures or progression or stages. I just needed somebody else who was going through this mm -hmm. um, that I could see that they made it through to the other side. I see. So I, I joined this local writing group. I thought, I'll write the, my family story. This will be for my family. It will help my children, my grandchildren, to know what happened in our family, what's what's the possibilities on our bloodline. And I joined this local writing group to help me write my story well. And they said, Jean, this has more scope than your family. And they helped me tremendously with the book. Did they also have experience? Not much. Not, not much. That's interesting. Now, were, they, were they your age or younger um, or older? A, a wide range of ages, mm -hmm. you know, as, as young as my adult children and as old as 80. But the story was just powerful to them. And they helped mm -hmm. me with it and encouraged me, publish it, publish it. Um, and even the night that I finally had everything done, I finally thought I was brave enough to click that publish button. I really did. I'm not joking. I thought I could be struck by lightning uh -huh. for revealing such personal things. Mm, so. That took a lot of courage, but it also tells me <laughs> how, how strong your conviction was that this could help other people, that you wanted to put it out in the world. I hope so. I mean, people have asked me, um, was it cathartic to write it? Not at all. Oh, wow. It was agony to write it. but And it was more agony to publish it because I knew, I, I really thought it would hide in the basement of Amazon and grow dust and mold. <laughs> and then people started reading it and it resonated with people. And the reviews 
have helped me heal. That has been the healing balm. Um, Tell me what the reviews are that you that were particularly memorable for you. They people will say thank you for sharing this story because it gives me an idea of what to expect. Mm. And I, in the cleaning out of my parents' home after I moved them, they were still alive, but I had moved them to a facility. And as I was cleaning out their home, which was Gosh, I could not sort trash from treasure because there was so such a bulk of you know every every report card I'd ever gotten, every school project I'd ever done was molding in the basement and that kind of thing. But I found their World War II love letters, and those became the chapter beginnings. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so reviewers say that, and I believe. My parents' writing is the best writing in the book. And it shows their passion and commitment to one another in their young love. And then each chapter goes further into their decline. And then a new chapter starts with their passion and devotion. And then it goes further and further on what a beautiful my way. What a beautiful way to organize the story. <laughs> And it just happened that way, really. I, I fell so in love with the letters um, because they're kind of like the things a couple would text to one another now. Like, I got a haircut today for uh, $2.35. <laughs> and I won $6 at last night's poker game. and and um, But yet, the passion that is so sweetly stated... Um, the last time I was home on furlough, I, I loved that green blouse you wore. You oh know what? Oh, my. <laughs> so personal. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Where was your dad stationed? Um, he did not go overseas in World, War, in World War II. He was in the finance department, so mm -hmm. he stayed stateside, which I think always bothered him that he had not gone overseas, but there's a letter even written to my mom on D-Day um, saying he doesn't know what will happen and how long the war will last and why don't we just abandon our plans to wait and get married the next time I'm home. Oh, wow. And so at reviewers will say their voices of commitment, the commitment that kept them together through their deaths um, was really a good contrast with what happened to them in their diagnosis. And so it's, a, it's that mix that mm -hmm. makes it work, I the believe. The juxtaposition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I did not plan at all. <laughs> oh. You learned, it sounds like even though you had a loving relationship Finding these letters and writing the book help you get to know them even better. Oh, absolutely. You are so right on that. <laughs> How so is that it to talk about now, Jean? I mean, what, you know, this happened, this started in 2006. 2006. And where are you now with this? You know, every day as I work on my social media, and I make a meme 
about Alzheimer's daughter. It takes me back to that soft and loving connection I had with them. And through every one of those ways in which I reach out to readers, I hope I am honoring my parents and honoring the way they raised me, the love that they had for one another. So it still is tender and almost raw mm -hmm. in that way, even 13 years later. But yet it mellows into that. I, I hope I'm honoring them. Mm -hmm. And this is what your life's work has become both with Alzheimer's daughter and co-founding all's authors. Yes, yes. Um, you know, our our life our lives take us down paths that we never expected, and in the agony and guilt of publishing Alzheimer's daughter, I began to reach out to some of the other authors that whose work I had read when I was going through the journey. Um, first of all, Marianne Shuko. She had a beautiful book, Blue Hydrangeas, which is fiction uh, based upon her work as a nurse mm -hmm. and her work discharging elderly patients into unsafe situations. And she had a couple um, in her professional life that she knew uh, she was release, releasing and they could be unsafe. And she took that, the idea of that couple and created a fictional book around what had happened to them prior to this, what happened to them after they were released from the hospital, what happened to them um, with their son. And it was, even though it was fiction, it was written with, you know, in a way that I who was really going through that journey in my life so could, she, could relate to. So she, it was fiction, but she, she obviously had a lot of experience yes. understanding the progression yes. of this illness. Yes, even though she did not have Alzheimer's and dementia in her, her own family at that time. And so I sent her a copy of Alzheimer's Daughter. I just got, got my brave on and I put it in an envelope and I wrote her a personal note and I said, I loved your book so much. Might you take a look at mine and see if, it, if there is any merit in it? And she got right back to me and she said, this is a beautiful book. And she was kind of having trouble finding a home for her book because it was a love story about people with Alzheimer's. So it didn't really fit into romance co collections or anything. Mm -hmm. And so she said, would you consider working with me to raise awareness of books written through personal experience about Alzheimer's? And I said, I'd love to. And we had uh, other people in mind whose books we had read. We re reached out next to Vicki Tapia, who wrote, I had read her book, Somebody Stole My Iron, was a memoir about her mother's journey. And Vicki said, yes, she would love to join that effort. And um, that was, gosh, about three years ago. 
And, and these are people all over. I mean, th this isn't just Ohio. No, the, no, Marianne lives in New York and Vicki lives in Montana. And we had never met face to face. We mm -hmm. would um, use Google Hangouts, you know, to meet virtually every week and kind of plan. Our goal was to find other authors of well-vetted books written mm -hmm. through the personal lens so that we could build a website and make a gathering of those resources for people who were stuck without them like we were when we were on our journey journeys. And then we, um, three other authors have since joined us, uh, Catherine Harrison, who you interviewed, mm -hmm. uh, the author of Weeds in Nana's Garden, mm -hmm. which is such a beautiful mm. children's book. It is. Oh my gosh. And then Anne Campanella, who wrote Motherhood Lost and Found. She was uh, going through the pain of miscarriage um, as her mother was, she was losing her own mother mm. to Alzheimer's and dementia. Oh. So she was losing a mother and then lost and found. She did have a child, but it was so painful when she needed the support of her mother during these painful miscarriages to be losing her mother too. Oh my goodness. And then so what was it like for you? You you said earlier that writing the book was not cathartic. In fact, mm -hmm. it was agonizing. Yes. What was it like finding these other writers and and sort of building this community? What was that Such like? Such comfort such comfort because we all understand one another. Um, our, our most recent addition to our management team is Irene Olson, and she wrote Requiem for the Status Quo, which is fiction, but based upon her um, experience with her dad declining from Alzheimer's. But all of us feel like we, we feel like we have found a sister or a brother when we find someone else who has had this experience, even though a lot of the books that, I mean, my book is written in a peaceful tone because we were basically a peaceful family. But m many of the books that we feature, it's very common to have strife in a family. Um, you know, as siblings are trying to deal with this mm -hmm. together or as dad's trying to take care of mom and he doesn't want interference from the children. And so we try to represent all viewpoints um, and also all facets of dementia. We have books on Lewy body. Um, we have powerful, powerful books written by spouses who are caring for their spouse. Um, Could you define Louis body for our audience? Not everybody is. I just learned what that was <laughs> fairly recently. <laughs> and I'm not sure I can do a good job of it, but it is uh, the frontal lobes of the brain are affected and it can uh, very much alter personality. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is, Louis body is not a peaceful journey for that caregiver. Um, it's a kind. Is it a kind of dementia? Yes, is, it is. is. That, okay, yes. I see. And then I would say maybe 
15% of the books that we have now, which we have 180 authors now writing for us wow. about their books. Wow. And probably 15% of those are written through the lens of living with Alzheimer's and dementia. And those books, I think, are our most powerful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they are writing their way through the journey. Wendy Mitchell uh, from the UK, uh, Kate Swaffer also from Great Britain, Norm McNamara from Wales. He has written a book called The Louis Body Soldier. So he's living with Louis and writing his journey. Mm. Um, so I. I really do feel like we have something for everybody mm -hmm. whose life is affected. We have a, a book that has the slant for what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I never would have expected this when I was teaching third grade, which I loved. I mean, that was a very rewarding career for me. But I never would have expected that something like this could be built out of something that was filled with such pain mm -hmm. for me. That's right. Uh, you know, and this is a theme that I've heard from other guests is you're brought to your knees and don't even know if you can get through the next hour and never imagine that you know, at the end of this journey, something is going to grow. You just can't even imagine how that could be, given your current state. I agree. <laughs> tell me, tell the, the story about when all's authors finally met. <laughs> so we had a very gracious benefactor who um, believed in us, more than we believe in ourselves. And I think oftentimes in life, people, other people define who you are. And um, this person had watched us grow, had posted to alt authors and um, offered to pay for us to have an exhibit table uh, in November at a caregiving.com conference and um, when when this person did this we were like oh my gosh we could all go and we could physically be in the mm -hmm. same place and mm -hmm. Catherine's from Canada and so we all made it happen I mean we gathered Irene Olson is from Washington State mm -hmm. we all uh, gathered in Chicago and it was an incredible thing to actually see one another in the mm. flesh. And, and how did it happen? You all met at your table or in the oh, hotel lobby? In, in the hotel, yes. We, I mean, we had um, had many virtual chats about how this was going to happen, and we'd arranged our rooms nearby. And uh, oh. some of us met at the airport as our planes came in. Others oh. of us met in the hotel lobby. And... Um, we stayed varying lengths of time. Um, Catherine Harrison and Ann Campanella have still have young younger children in school, so they had things they had to get back for quickly. Yet they made the time to come. They mm -hmm. flew there to oh. meet, and so I hope that's just the first of many uh, times when we can physically mm -hmm. share the same space. But just as you and I, Nicole, are 
speaking today and and speaking to people around the world, technology makes this possible mm -hmm. without sharing the same space. So it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm just trying to imagine this scene <laughs> where you're where you're finally meeting and you already know each other at such a deep level. Yeah. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell me what's the next um, what's the next phase for you, Jean? What, 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 what comes next? So we just hope alt authors will continue and grow and be of benefit, use, and service to others who are walking the path of their lives being affected by Alzheimer's and dementia in some way. But all of us still continue to be writers. So um, although I never would have thought I would say that about myself uh, when I was teaching third grade. But I've come kind of back to my third grade roots. And um, while Alzheimer's Daughter was about my parents and it was sad and I shed many tears while writing it, my life uh, in the meantime has been touched by great joy through my grandchildren. And uh, my daughter lives local to me and has two little girls, and they have a pet that they love. And my son and his wife were blessed with triplets, mm. and they live about two hours from me. And during the first year of their life, I went down every week to help out. I was blessed to be able to do that. And their first baby had been a huge 70-pound mutt named Lexi, <laughs> who was just very disgruntled at the fact that these three hairless beings <laughs> were invading her small house. And was how she, dare they? Uh, was, she, was she a princess? Oh, yes. The uh -huh. yes. This often happens. Yeah. How dare her parents even think of putting this upon her? Right. And so my daughter-in-law and I would have so much fun talking about Lexi. And my daughter-in-law would use her Lexi voice, like, Lexi must be thinking this. And things come to you as, oh, this could be a book. Mm -hmm. And it took me back to my third grade roots. And I thought, oh, third graders would love to read mm -hmm. what this, you know, this bratty voice, this dog is saying about these babies. So that became uh, the first book in a series, Lexi's Triplets. Um, <laughs> And then that book is all about her, okay, it, it, she is jealous. Mm -hmm. She goes through so many feelings of um, possible abandonment, things that children feel in their own lives as well. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, I mean, really throughout the whole book, even though she's using her bratty diva voice, mm -hmm. she's asking, do they still love me? Oh, yeah. Which a child asks all the time through transition in their lives. And so then the second book had to come. And the second book is called Lexi's Litter of Three. And mm -hmm. so she takes these children on as her own litter. Mm -hmm. They just worm their way into her heart. And she becomes... <laughs> the furry parent of them. Oh. Um, so those are written about my son and daughter-in-law and the triplets. And then a third book came in that series, which is about to be published, and it's called Julia's Journey. And that comes back to my daughter 
and her family and their two little girls. They adopted a um, a rescue Jack Russell Terrier, and mm-hmm. whereas Lexi, the seventy pound mutt, writes through the voice of the diva, uh, Julia writes through this voice of insecurity. Oh, I've well, I've been see. abandoned before. They've taken me. Oh. People have taken me back before. People have not wanted me. I can't oh. make any mistakes. Are oh. am I ever going to find my forever home? Um, so it's just it's been fun becoming a dog while I write. You know, <laughs> <laughs> becoming a, a diva dog through Lexi, and then using that voice of insecurity through Julia, and. Um, it's just, it's kind of crazy the twists and turns that are taken in a writer's life and, you know, what you see as becoming a book. Would you have ever written these books had it not been for Alzheimer's Daughter? You know, Nicole, that is a great question and one that I don't think I've taken time to consider. But honestly, that Alzheimer's journey, um, the, the journey that took me to Alzheimer's daughter through my parents did bless my life in so many ways because it has added such new dimension through Alt's authors and my future writings. Mm-hmm. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, Jean, who, if they haven't already been touched by Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, might very well be in the future. Is there anything you'd like to share with them? I guess I'd like to say that going through it, staggering through it, trying to keep breathing is so hard. Yet, you have to dig deep to find those silver linings, and they are there. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes some perspective to find them. But I think every author that we post on Alt's Authors, um, as dark as the experience may have been for them, they always are concluding the silver linings as they're writing. And I think that's what we'd like to communicate, that there, there is hope. Um, they, you know people are quick to say there are no survivors of Alzheimer's disease, and which is true uh, in the clinical sense. It, it ends in death, but we are the survivors of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. We are the people who viewed it, trod the path with a loved one, and after that, you get through that dark time, you do survive, and hopefully you help others to do the same. Mm-hmm. Where can people find out more about you, Jean, and about Alt's Authors? Oh, well, I would love to have them check out altsauthors.com. Okay. And A-L-Z, A-L-Z Authors. authors.com. And mm-hmm. on our About page, you can read about all of our management team, how we came to be- together, our books, um, but on, on the website itself, uh, we have a bookstore, uh, which links straight to Amazon. Um, we are an affiliate, so if you, if you buy a book through our, 
uh, the link that we provide, it's not going to cost a buyer even a penny more uh, to buy it that way, but we might get four cents <laughs> from the sale of that book, oh which might help us pay for our domain. <laughs> yes, I would hope so. Uh, and um, so, you know, it's a gathering place for these wonderful books written through the lens of personal experience. Um, and then each author has written a post for us. So we, so we have two and a half years of posts where every one of these authors has written 500 words for us, thereabouts, um, about the story behind their story. Where were they um, in life? What prompted them to write this book about Alzheimer's? And mm -hmm. even though some of them are uh, kind of guidebooks or um, maybe they aren't written, it doesn't appear as though they are um, written through personal experience. They, a few of them might be more factual. They all came to that through some kind of a personal experience. You know, why should I write a book about mm. this? Why would mm. someone care about it? And they have come to it from a, a deep place in their heart. Mm -hmm. mm. And so then they can find me on Amazon, Alzheimer's Daughter, just searching Alzheimer's Daughter. Okay, and, and it's alzheimersdaughter.com? Um, so on, on Amazon, they can just search for Alzheimer's okay. Daughter. I do have an alzheimersdaughter.com, also my, my own website, and mm -hmm. we repost uh, basically alt authors on there because we, we really want to give each of these authors as much exposure as possible. I see. It's such a community effort. It is. You know, I, I mean, we all spent years in this journey <clears throat> when someone writes a book about it. If I, you know, if, if I think about my journey with my mom and dad being five years and six years, that's five years of my life that I've written about, I've committed to a book. And for each author, it's years of their life, years of experience, years of reality that they want to share to help someone else. So we want mm -hmm. to elevate those books so that people mm -hmm. can find them. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful resource for, for everyone wanting to learn more about Alzheimer's and dementia. Thank you so much, Jean, for sharing your experiences, although they're obviously very painful. But thank you so much for also giving us perspective and, and introducing us to all's authors. Um, I will put all that information in the show notes so people can find you. And I, I wish you the very best luck. Thank you so much, Nicole. And thank you for the insights that you added to my journey. You've really given me something to think about as well. And thank you to your listeners. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com 
slash zestful aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.